If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Mike on Howie, Chris on Soups, Mace on Hal, and Matt on Group. Wake up Wednesday and we feeling it like... Nothing can intrude as we read in the tome of big stacks, singles bagged and boarded, fitted in a box in the lab recording. Thoughts as they come, whatever they be. Comics is a world that we become. Sit back, listen to the man he sold. Wherever you are, wherever you're from, the Wednesday show is for all of y'all who leaf through books in solitude. Open up worlds that you dream of. The following show is from us to you. Peace. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Wednesday Comic Book Show. It's me, your host, Dr. Mouse. Coming to you with another... Shit's getting live in the studio, y'all. Mad gunshots. Hella laughs. Ooh, ooh. I ask you all, do you like it? And you respond. Because like <laughs> we got another coming for your ass. Turn me down in the headphones, y'all. Gotta get my shit up. I'm the star of the show, not this music. <clears throat> um, yeah, if you're listening to this, I'm in Italy. Italy currently and right now. Doing my tang, my Italian tang, drinking espresso, eating pizza, pasta, fagiol, suprasat. Mozzarella. Pizzalicious. <laughs> uh, I haven't left yet. I'm recording in advance because, you know, shit be crazy. Um, I, I truly hope I don't break out into any kind of like weird Italian accent that could be deemed uh, offensive. But, you know... It is, it's a very weird series of cultural appropriations. I'm not sure it made it to Italy. It's uh, Nintendo, a Japanese company, creating an Italian plumber who says things like, let's go. Who says things like, woohoo. Is that part of the cultural history and memory of the Italian people? I don't know. I hope not. They got Nintendo. <laughs> but the question is, do they know that in the United States, dumb Americans like myself 
imagine <laughs> Italian speaking English the way that Super Mario does it. Woohoo! Let's go. Those are the only two I can remember. He says more shit, I'm sure. <laughs> Am I sure? I'm not sure. God, Super Mario. By the way, I had a conversation the other day. This is this is all going to be... I mean, I already told you what it was. I already told you that... What it is is... And hot 30s don't have structure. And they don't have meaning. And above all that, they're not good. <laughs> We're just here trying to have some fun. Uh, shooting motherfuckers and being cool. I had a conversation with somebody uh, the other day <clears throat> about the game Diddy Kong Racing. And uh, how I remember when... Like, everybody was, like, losing their shit over Mario Kart. I loved Diddy Kong Racing. And it was, like, uh, it was some it was, like, a game I really liked. And then, so I went and I looked it up on Wikipedia. And then I saw that it was, like, people liked it more than Mario Kart when it came out. I was fucking floored. I was bamboozled. I was hoodwinked. Because it didn't spawn a, a bunch of sequels and shit like that. But the absolute coolest, and this ain't even a question, yo. The coolest members of the Nintendo family, for 100%, without even breaking a sweat, are the Kongs. Donkey, Diddy, the other ones, <laughs> whose names I know. They sang a fucking rap about coconuts. Fucking bullshit ass Mario never sang a fucking rap about pipes <laughs> or whatever the fuck. Peach never rapped about castles. Waluigi never rapped about being a purple wizard or whatever the fuck he is. <laughs> Yoshi never rapped about eggs. But you got the Kongs, Donkey, Diddy, Smitty, Fuckman, Fuckman Kong, you know? Rapping about coconuts and shit. Bananas? I'm not really sure what the rap was about. But I do remember listening to it. It was like, D.K. Donkey Kong. Something, 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 something. The extended Donkey Kong universe. Now, that's what I want to talk about. Is it one of the sh shadow dimensions, uncharted dimensions in the DC multiverse? You just go there and there's a bunch of Kongs. That would be a dope crossover. Because, like I said, it among fictional families, nerd fictional families, it's up there with the Bat family. You know, you got... Batman, you got Robin, all five of them or six of them, I've lost count. You got Alfred Pennyworth. You got Nightwing, who is also just a Robin, older, wearing a different suit. You got Red Hood. 
a character who wears a red hood. Lazy writing, DC. And on the other side, you got the Kong family. You got Donkey Kong. You got Diddy Kong. You got the aforementioned Fuckman Kong. There are a lot of Kongs. There's the lady one. There's the grandfather one who looks like Rafiki from The Lion King. Problematic? Yes. <laughs> Maybe I'm rethinking my stance on the Kong family. Um, <clears throat> King Kong. I think King Kong is a is a is an honorary member, if not a de facto leader of the Kong family from Nintendo. This is not what I thought I was going to talk about, but you know, this is how podcasting works, y'all. So, uh, what's been happening? We got a dog. And I got to tell you something about having a dog. Uh, don't like it. It's, uh, they require a lot of attention that, um, you know, and it's not even our dog. My future mother-in-law moved in. She had a dog. She brought the dog. She does all the stuff for the dog. She feeds the dog. She walks the dog. Yet and still, the dog requires so much attention. Even when I'm not doing all of the infuriatingly like time-consuming things, the dog still requires a lot of attention and still takes up a lot of space in the house. It's like having another person in the house. This is a thing you know, it's a, it's a sentient being. It has agency. It has the ability to communicate via barking and other weird noises. And it's just another little, 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 uh, little piece of life that's uh, in, in, in your house barking at shit. Trying to say what's up to you. Getting in your personal space, being in your grill, coming up the steps where it's not supposed to be. Talking about, hi, how are you? And I'm like, nah. This is this is terrible. And we're thinking about having kids. Imagine that. Pair all of that with utter helplessness. <laughs> then you have a human child. Man. I heard a funny, uh, well, not, I don't know if it's funny or if, if uh, I've told it on the podcast before, which is uh, every everything I say on the show. So my when I was a kid, we uh, we had two dogs. We had, a, we had a dog named Lily. We had a dog named Twinkles. Nice dogs. Very nice dogs. Lived for a long time. Uh, and... The story goes so, and you know, I was present for it, so I can attest to the fact that it is probably true. Although memory is a real, like, uh, just elastic concept. Um, so what I remember is we would drive up to Philly to go uh, visit my uh, folks who lived in North Philly. Not my folks, my you know, my uh, extended family, aunt, cousins, and. Uh, when we would go up there, there was always a guy right when you got into Philly who was like selling dogs out of a box on the side of the road. So we go there one year. My mom's pulls over and she buys a puppy. 
from this you know guy who has this litter of dogs in a box for forty dollars that puppy becomes lily we take it to you know the auntie's house they're like oh look at the pretty dog nice dog take it home and we have a dog uh we go next year for our family trip and on the side of the road same guy another litter of dogs the generation after the dog we just had bought prior. And so we get our dog, Lily, a sister. Her name is Twinkles. Again, these dogs couldn't have cost more than like 40, 50 bucks. Um, so we have those dogs for a real long time. You know, they pass away. Uh, but the coda to this is I was my younger brother who's been on the podcast before graduated and so my aunt came down to baltimore and i i tell her about that because she didn't know how we got the dogs and she immediately knows the guy that i'm talking about and his name which i won't say just for preserve anonymity i don't know what could happen but let's just be safe let err, err on the safe side she, because yeah, I guarantee probably what he's doing is illegal. I don't guarantee it, but I'm like 98% sure you can't sell dogs out of a box in Philadelphia. <laughs> or any stranger to just come yet. Uh, she immediately knows the guy's name and furthermore tells me that guy's still selling dogs from that same lineage. So now we got like, I don't even know what the, what the relation would be to the dogs that I have. But I imagine that the dogs that I had, their parents died, right? And so that there was like a, a, a son a son, and, a son and a daughter that came from that litter that then they, you know, breeded, got more dogs and then, you know, so, so on and so forth for the rest of time. And so, you know, my, uh, my dogs would have had sister nephews. <laughs> <laughs> he's breeding Targaryens in a box on the side of the road in fucking North Philly, dude. <laughs> and it's wild that that's just the hustle. That's the grind. This dude, he's been getting, you know, $40 for a dog every year. At the very least, he's making, he's pulling down 40 bucks a year. That's a living. It just blew my mind. I, I, I almost kind of want to go back and get another dog to uh <laughs> to just 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 keep it in the family but at this point they must be like oh inbred and incestuous and just mangled and not good um but yeah but yeah having a dog is tough traveling is tough traveling is a huge bummer for me i and i i've been trying to think about why cuz you know what 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 is going to happen uh very soon is that I'm going to board up in an international flight a plane that's going to take me to Germany um and from there I'm going to take a plane to Italy um and it it's so infuriating and so boring and almost unbearable to be on an airplane for that long but then I start thinking like why because if I'm not sitting in an airplane, 
reading books and playing games on my phone and uh, taking a nap. I'm doing all of that stuff in my house. It's just... And it's not even that it's uncomfortable because I'm often uncomfortable. It's just the psychological fact that I cannot opt to not do that. That's what kills me about traveling is the absolute helplessness of the entire endeavor. You're just you're stuck there and you can't and you on you have to relax. That's what they're saying. That is what the the situation in an airplane is. Is that you are forced to relax for however long it takes to get to your destination. And you know what? Maybe I don't want to relax. Perhaps I want to fucking be inconvenienced. Maybe I want to go for a run. I never want to go for a run. It is absurd what I'm thinking. Yeah, just sit down and read your book, dude. Sit down and play Falcon Squad on your phone. Play Word Cookies. Listen to podcasts. Do all the shit you do all the time. Write something. Do all the shit you do all the time and just chill. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to chill. I want to go. I want to go biking. I don't own a bike. But that's the defiance I have when I'm on an airplane. Like, fuck this shit. You can't tell me what to do. I'll sit down and relax. Fuck you. I want to go be inconvenienced. <laughs> no, don't bring me food. I want to go make it. Which I hate doing. But I want to have the option. So that's where I'm going to be. And also airports are just like a nightmare. An airport is a place that... There, there are a few places... Ed, this is a working theory of mine, and I've been adding on to them, adding places onto this list. But there are a few places you go that where no one's happy to be there, including customers or you know whoever is 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 the patrons of the place, um, and the 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 workers, the laborers, the people who staff the place. One of those places is obviously the airport. No one wants to be there. It's a fucking huge bummer. You have to go through this heightened level of security. You have to sit down. You have to wait. Uh, planes are late. People in customer service are getting harassed. You know, pilots don't want to be late. It's just, uh, just, it's like a fucking, just everybody is just mad and on edge when they're at the airport. Same thing, I think, with the DMV. Nobody wants to be there. No, like people at the DMV, those people who are like infamously mean, they don't, they don't want to be mean, but they deal with so many assholes that they got to be mean. So they, they already have their defenses up. You're there. You're inconvenienced your day because that shit's only open for the most part on work day. So you got to take off work. You got to go down there. You got to wait four hours. You got to go up to the people. They, they got to tell you, you know, it's not my decision. State bureaucracy. You got to go get another form. So you go and you get that other form. You deal with some other bureaucrats and they they don't want to be there. They don't want to be dealing with this shit. And then you get the form, you go back and they say, oh, this is the wrong form or it was signed incorrectly. You got to go. It's a fucking disaster. It's a nightmare. Everyone hates it. I think also same thing with grocery stores. No one wants to be at the grocery store. We all like food. But going to the grocery store is a fucking giant hassle. 
you go there with your fucking, you know, your bags because you want to be environmentally friendly. You you go through the aisles, you start throwing shit into your fucking cart. You in your mind and the mental uptick is happening where like you're in a taxi cab and the rates going up. You're just like five dollars, five dollars gone, seven dollars gone, eight dollars gone, three dollars gone, five dollars gone. Holy shit. You get up to the fucking cash register. The cashiers are pissed. They can't sit down unless you're at an Aldi. They have to stand up and deal with fucking idiots and bad groceries and people who don't understand how to use card swipers and uh, how to insert a chip into a machine or what their pin code is or they're trying to do this fucking weird Frankenstein payment where it's like, here, take this cash and can I do some with card? And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, that's convenient for you, but now I have to do a billion things. Oh, do you want to play the Monopoly scratch-off game? Here, take some tickets. Get the fuck out of here. Guys are in the parking lot hauling carts out. It's a fucking miserable environment. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know how I got on that tangent. Uh, it's all product of the... You can't hear it anymore. I, I, I hit the hot 30 button on my soundboard. Um, but everything is so low that you can't hear it anymore. So apologies for that. Um, so the comic for today, it's an interesting comic that we have here. It's a very interesting comic. I'm not stalling to pull up my notes. I'm just commenting on how interesting and just just fascinating and interesting this comic is. Uh, <laughs> so it's Justice League number 26 by James Tenney the fourth and Javier Fernandez. If you don't remember last time we talked about the Justice League, which must have been, I don't remember, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a double issue, like a big like 40-page issue, the first 20 pages of which were written by Scott Snyder, who finished up his Six Dimension run wherein, you know, Superman comes like a bat out of hell out of the sixth dimension and knocks out the World Forger, destroys his, you know, fucked up uh, multiverse. And uh, the Justice League then recruits the World Forger into their cause. They go back to Earth. Lex Luthor has been able to uh, defeat Mr. Mrs. Picklet, who was unimagining all of time, space, and reality on Earth with a gigantic Batmite, who is a similarly a six-dimensional imp. Uh, I think that's the correct terminology for it. Um, so uh, Lex has now carried a bunch of favor on Earth, and he d d delivers this message. And this is the second part of that book uh, called The Message, wherein Lex uh, declares that, you know, the Justice League has fucked the world up. They broke the source wall. That multiverse is fucked. The multiverse is broken. Um, bad people are coming. If you would like to fight alongside him in the oncoming war, he's going to sell everything he has. He's going to just totally liquidate his businesses and he's going to arm all of the people who would like to take up arms in the incoming fight with high-tech advanced weaponry. Then, he kills himself. Quote-unquote, kills himself before resurrecting himself in the Lazarus pit. To curry even more favor, he dies a martyr. And so, 
this is where the book picks off. Again, this is Justice League number 26 by James Tinney and the fourth and Javier Fernandez. I also had a suspicion that James Tinney might be taking over this run, and it looks like it because in the past he's written for this run, but he's written Legion of Doom books, not the actual main Justice League continuity. So Scott Snyder might be off of this book. Uh, Should have checked the comic book trades but i forgot to and so this run is called apex predator part one so we open people around the united states are being armed with high level weapons by a cloaked man nobody knows who this cloaked man is but he's delivering weapons and gold and all kinds of resources to people and people are using these resources in a kind of noble way like you know killing their landlord who's been fucking price gouging them and neglecting their property and all this shit and so it's just happening in these chunks and the person who is monitoring this activity is a man named john jones aka the martian manhunter who has gone totally rogue and is obsessively looking for this cloaked man who he's pretty sure is lex luthor Uh, He has fully reverted back to the core of his identity. He is a manhunter, and he's going to manhunt this cloaked manhunty. People are not happy with his decision, by the way. Uh, Least of all, Hawkgirl, who is like, get your ass back to Earth. We're doing a bunch of shit here. You need to be present. He's like, nah, gotta find Lex. Gotta find Lex. From there, we cut to the Hall of Heroes, not the Hall of Justice, the Hall of Heroes. Read Multiversity, will ya? So <laughs> heroes from all around the multiverse have gathered, including like multiple Batman. There's the fucking vampire Batman from that book from the 90s that is terrible. Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew. All bunch of characters, and this is a great homage to Multiversity by Grant Morrison, um, which both the cosmologist and I have read, but we have never reviewed on this show, which is something that's weird, and I'm not sure why, but maybe we'll do it in the future, but I would have to reread that book, and it's 70,000 pages long, so it's probably never going to happen. Um, <laughs> but so all of these heroes are there. And Superman, uh, once the meeting is in order, and we get we get a few like Barry Allen, uh, John Stewart asides and quips that are pretty funny. Um, you know, James Tinian IV, he has a real, like similar style to scott snyder and i appreciate that it's different enough where it's unique it's a fresh voice here um if he does continue the run but there you know it's not overly serious this is not a doomsday clock feel where everything has so much gravity everything has gravity but there is you know there is room for you know barry allen and john stewart to have this sort of like c3po r2d2 kind of uh uh, role in the story wherein they're commenting on how absurd the entire situation is because it truly is absurd um so superman uh after all the heroes have gathered uh, delivers a keynote um about how the rot from the source wall is going to seep into all corners of the multiverse so if it's not affecting your particular multiversal sector at this moment it could um he tells them about lex plant lex's plan to arm scared people to convert people who have an inclination toward doom into agents of doom um he tells them about perpetua's plan 
to rise again and raise hell and, you know, turn the multiverse back into what it was in defiance of her, you know, cosmic benefactors in the omniverse. Um, and so he then gives it over, he gives the mic over to somebody else to tell them exactly what they need to do. Um, it's not necessarily a smart idea and it has low odds of working for all of these heroes to fight against Perpetua and her raised armies. What they need to do is they need to find people who are strong enough that can do that themselves and have proven that they can do that themselves. So in comes the World Forger who at the end of the last comic teamed up with, begrudgingly teamed up with the Justice League. Um, and the World Forger gives the heroes of the multiverse their first task and that is to find his brothers the monitor and the anti-monitor so that they can fight their mother once again from there we cut to the hall of justice and the hall of justice is a goddamn fucking mess it's chaos it's like a broadway show before it starts everybody's running around checking shit looking in corners doing whatever Hawkgirl and Mera are overseeing this entire operation in which the heroes are scanning every dimension bordering Earth to locate Perpetua's energy signal. They're trying to find where she is and um, in doing so also find where the Legion of Doom is headquartered. Not sure exactly what they're going to do when they find her, but it's obviously working in tandem with the World Forger and uh, finding his brothers. Which I guess maybe I misremember that I thought that the anti-monitor was... Oh, okay. Because I thought that the anti-monitor was trapped behind the source wall. But if it's broken, then he must have gotten out. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm not sure if Snyder has given us clues as to where they are. Their exact whereabouts, the monitor and the anti-monitor. Um... But again, this is just that everyone is just trying to find people and locate where they are. John Jones is trying to find Lex Luthor, the World Forgers, and the rest of the heroes in the multiverse, uh, including a big chunk of the Earth Prime Justice League, are trying to find the Monitor and the Anti Monitor. And uh, Hawkgirl and Mera are trying to find Perpetua. So it's just a big scavenger hunt. So. The as this is happening, the two uh, hear this commotion. They go into a room and they find Starman, and Starman is in absolute agony. He and Jaro, while all of this other stuff is happening, the scavenging, he and Jaro are trying to locate and harness the other aspects of the totality that were lost in time to unlock Starman's powers. Because you remember from many issues ago, Starman is imbued with some of the totality in his body. Um, some shit that happened in the 80s, can't remember. Um, but some aspects of the totality are not left in his body, so he can't unlock that sort of full potential. And so he's like, he and Jaro are traveling through time trying to find this shit. And it's just a giant disaster. Nobody is, <laughs> nobody is, is moving purposefully. Everything is sort of like, uh, just kind of thrown together. And they even comment in the book at one point like uh i'm not sure if all this is gonna work or if what we're doing is just a fool's errand but they gotta try it's the justice league for god's sake um 
So Mira and Hawkgirl at this point decide that it's best if Mira hold down the fort while Hawkgirl goes to find John. Hawkgirl is pissed at John. They have a son together. He's gone rogue. She wants to be included in this process. And most of all, she wants him to be part of the team. Um, John, now as the chairman of the Justice League, has decided that he needs to make unilateral decisions. Not a smart idea. From that, we cut to Spring Hill, California. John Jones is in his human disguise, um, tracking down uh, a disguised, cloaked man. Um, So he enters an old cottage house. He loses the disguise. He's back to his green self, and he calls out to Luthor. He says, I know that you're telepathically blocking me. However, I have 14 other senses, and they are blasting me in the face. Um, and he does end up finding a Luthor, but it's not Lex Luthor. Who he finds instead is Lionel Luthor, Lex's father, and the boy looking young. He looking young. This is a time-traveling Lionel Luthor, and I am confused as to where he is, um, but he's attacking John Jones with a fist, which I don't think is going to work, but they've already set up that Hawkgirl is on her way, so Lionel Luthor is fucked in the next issue, but it was a kind of a sweet reveal here. Um, again, good book. Excited to continue reading it and see where it goes, uh, but that's it for this Hot 30. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Weekly Comic Show. Follow us on Instagram at Wednesday Comic Book Show. Email us at Wednesday Comic Book Show at gmail.com. Rate and subscribe us on iTunes. Uh, Wednesday Comic Book Show is the name of the show, I think. Rating and subscribing is a good, fun thing that you can do uh, that takes no time at all. Also, uh, give my boy the CB Cosmologist to follow on Instagram at CB Cosmologist. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. You ever seen a nerd speak in thin air? You ever seen such comic book flair? You ever seen two, three, four, five nerds fight and argue over made up words? Superman, Batman, and the Green Martian approach these worlds with Supreme Court shed. Listen to us as we rant and rave. Flip and follow on to the next page. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.